Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Devil's Talking Padres podcast. Dominic Stern joined by Bobby Murphy, and we'll get to our guest, SD Donovan, in a little bit. And Bobby, it's been a, it's been a long, it's been a long time since we had our last recording. It's been a long couple of weeks. How you doing there, Bobby? I'm doing good. Um, super kind of sad that, uh, there's no baseball for a while, but I'm going, I'm working through it. Yeah, good to hear. And we are now joined by our second guest of this podcast. We're joined by Donovan Jones at SD Donovan on Twitter. If you don't follow him, you should really, you should really be following him. He provides you a lot of good content about the Padres, host of the Friars on the Farm podcast, one of the first Padres podcasts that was introduced here. Donovan, how are you doing today? We're, uh, we're doing well. I'm doing well. Things are pretty interesting time, gentlemen. Uh, I'm doing well though. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. So some people who are listening to this podcast might not be familiar with the Friars on the Farm podcast. Can you just describe what that podcast is and what you guys intend to provide to the Padres, uh, universe? Well, what me and my co-host Roy Thomason do for, you know, as for Friars on the Farm, we are solely the minor league system. So, we, you know, in the beginning, we may talk a little bit about the major league team here and there, but primarily we cover everything from the Dominican Academy, uh, to short season ball to fully, uh, full season A, double A, high A, and, you know, in El Paso as well. So we're here in San Diego and we make trips up to Lake Elsinore a lot. And then we have a uh, pretty good cover, uh, pretty good relationships with a couple of the affiliates and, and talk to a lot of those people as well. So we're, we're strictly the minor league system. Yeah. And that's awesome because it's something that not a lot of people are familiar with. So they can come to your podcast to stay up to date on that. And you mentioned that you go up to Lake Elsinore a lot. What fan experience do you get up there that you can't get at Petco Park in a major league game? Well, I tell you this last year, the value was absolutely through the roof. You know, being here in San Diego, my wife and I are both big giant baseball fans and we, we will spend $65 on a seat, go to Lake Elsinore and we spend $65 for a plus. I mean, and that's 65 bucks gets you two seats behind the dish, gets you all the, you know, tons of food, uh, $5 parking. And this last year, you know, we caught Mackenzie Gore three times. Uh, Luis Patino, the value going up to Lake Elsinore is just, it's so much fun. Minor league baseball is, is relaxed. You're close to the players. You can get there early. You can interact. You know, they have signings once a week. It's just a whole different, you know, ball game for, for all pun intended when you go up to Lake Elsinore and with the Padres system. I mean, you guys, it's, it's crazy. Even this coming year, we have tons of players that are going through Lake Elsinore that, you know, that are in the top 50 of MLB pipeline. Yeah, and so you've been able to see Mackenzie Gore pitch, highly touted Padres pitching prospect. I've never been able to see him pitch in person. Hopefully that'll change sometime soon. How good is Mackenzie Gore? He really is everything everyone has been saying. He is that good. I actually, I did. I caught three starts for him this year, and he's just, it's another level. And, you know, the Cali League is supposed to be a hitter's, Hitters League, Lake Elsinore, the, the the diamond is a little bit of a pitcher's park. It's a little bit of a bigger park, but anywhere else he's pitched in the Cali League, he just dominates. And it is true top shelf 
top of the rotation stuff. It's it's really he's really something special. Bobby, do you got any questions for Donovan before we start talking about some Padres spring training? Donovan, since you guys do a lot of work on your podcast with the Storm, who is a player that not a lot of people are talking about from last year's team that will turn heads in 2020? Well, you know, he kind of really we're going to talk about spring training here in a minute and. Who really has been turning heads for us has been Gaylord Arias. He's maybe not well known with, uh, with a lot of Padre fans. You know, some of you guys definitely saw him in the spring training, but the glove and the arm are some evaluators say is better than, uh, Fernando Tepes Jr. I know I could be, uh, I could be hunted down and killed for that, but the, you know, it was glove first, arm first with him and, uh, the, the bat, just this last part of the season, uh, he, they made some adjustments. Doug Banks, uh, the hitting, the hitting instructor there in Lake Elsinore made some adjustments with him and he really turned it on in the last half of the season. The in, incredible, incredible player. Uh, you guys saw a little bit during spring training and I, I think he's, you know, he, he's another shortstop that this system has that, that can be major league ready in the next year, year and a half. He's definitely a very good prospect. I've seen him high up on some prospect lists and not a, not as high, you know, top 15. Granted, this is a great system that he's definitely a guy that can definitely make some impact. And if Tatis, you know, if he can ever find a way to get healthy, he could provide some serious value for the Padres in the future. Bobby, you got anything else for Donovan? Not right now. I'm, I'm all ready to go. All right. So Donovan on our last podcast, which was talking about the Tommy John surgeries that Andres Munoz and Reggie Lawson just underwent. Bobby and I already give our thoughts on that, but this is now a chance for you to talk about it. What was your initial reaction when you heard that news when the Padres Twitter account tweeted about it? Oh, actually, I was driving and, uh, you know, my phone in my car, my phone is just around where the steering level is, our steering wheel is. And, you know, I'm always looking at my phone and driving uh, at the same time. And a notification came up from our local radio station, 97.3, the fan. And I nearly crashed my car because it said Padres report that Andres Munoz and Reggie Lawson are undergoing. It was just somewhere completely out of the blue. And I literally wanted to pull over and just pop up on Twitter. And it was, like, it was so out of, out of the blue, it was very shocking. But, you know, with, with Andres Munoz, that's been the concern with him is he's so small. He's six foot, maybe 180, 185 dripping wet, uh, and just throws so hard that it was only a, a matter of time before that happened. But, you know, bring, you know, spring training stopping so abruptly, we didn't get those reports. So his, he, his one appearance is when he felt it and, you know, the Padres are very close, you know, they hold all their information very close to their chest until he got that second opinion and they sent him for the surgery, you know, sent him for surgery. Uh, we didn't know about it. And Reggie Lawson, you know, he was just coming back from evolution from last year. He, he missed two months of the scheme, almost the whole season last year and seemed to be getting on track this spring and was one of those guys where you don't have to squint that hard to see him make some starts this year. Granted, with the health of, uh, you know, the major league roster, he was more than likely going to see some starts here at the major league level and are at the major league level. And to have him go under the knife at the same time, it's, uh, it's just, it's, you hate to see it because he was finally starting to get healthy. And, um, 
showing some real promise during spring training. And just, it, it just, it sucks. But God bless uh, AJ Preller for having so much depth in, you know, the starting rotation looks pretty strong to begin with. Uh, and the bullpen just looks, you know, on paper, just lights out. And thank goodness for that depth because you can never have enough pitching. And this is a perfect example of that. I think you were trying to touch on it that we didn't really receive any information about either of these two having injuries during spring training. Were you a little upset that this just kind of came out of the blue and that there was no prior knowledge about it? Or were you like, hey, that's part of the game? You know, for me, it's a part of the game. And, and I know a lot of, a lot of people on Twitter want to go, well, they're, you know, well, they're going to have him try to rehab an elbow injury when he should just go straight for the surgery. Um, we had none of that because of the shortened season. A lot of times the Potters would leave it up to these players. What do you want to do? Here's what we see. We can do the platelet rich injection, kind of like what Tommy Pham did. And, uh, I can't remember any other pitcher that's done that, but there's that option. Um, they kind of give those guys the option. I think they did with Danielson Lamette. They gave him the option of the play little rich and rehab or go to Tommy John. And they tried to play little rich, uh, and rehab with, uh, Lamette last year until finally, you know, try to go on throwing program and then he went to the surgery. So they do give the players the option, you know, obviously with the results of any MRIs or any kind of medical, uh, diagnosis that they get from the, from the, from the doctors. So. I'm okay with them holding it close to their chest. It's their job. You know, it, it's Preller's job to not just let this stuff go out and it, uh, whenever we think we need it as fans, you know? I agree. You know, they definitely have the right to hold that information to them, but it was just kind of odd that Anders Munoz went two weeks from his last pitching appearance to the time that we finally heard that he was hurt. It was just kind of odd in that sort of sense. And so moving on, let's talk more about Spring training and actually what happened on the field. Now that it's over, it's sad that it came to such a short stop because the Potters were playing so well. In the end, the Potters went 11 and 7. They ended up ending spring training on a five game losing streak, but all in all, they scored 86 runs and only allowed 75 runs, which comes out for a plus 11 run differential. They allowed the least amount of runs in the Cactus League and had the third best Cactus League run differential. So, Bobby, I'm going to start with you since it's been a little bit since you were last talking. What impressed you the most about the Potters' spring training performance? In spring training, what, what impressed me the most, I think uh, most of Will Myers, uh, he really stepped up in spring training, and it, it'll hurt a lot that he will lose all this momentum going into the season because he pretty much, I think, secured that spot in right field, and he lost all of his momentum because we might be out for a month or two or three until the players can get back on the field. I, I agree. I agree. He was, he came on really strong. And, you know, as, as fans, we wanted him, I wanted him, everyone wants him to succeed or trade him. So if he's not going to be traded, we want him to succeed. And having the great start to the spring that he did, I think really, uh, really goes with the work that he did in the off season. But more than anything, I mean, it's spring training. He's hitting the pitches he's supposed to be hitting. If, if the pitching, you know, if the pitches are just there to kind of get their work in, throw fastballs, throw on their stuff to get it over the plate, work on their command, and they're going to send it down the middle, guys are going to have to hit it. So having Myers hit the ball and a lot of those, a lot of those hits that he had were opposite field where he's staying, letting the ball get deep, staying with it, not trying to get too pull happy like he has been in the past was just a huge, I don't know, for a sigh of relief for me as a Padre fan, good to see. 
Yeah, and like you mentioned, Will Myers was staying back and hitting the ball right center field. He definitely possesses that power, but sometimes he tries to go away from it, which can definitely be a strength of his. But what impressed me the most about the Potters in the spring training was their pitching and primarily the bullpen pitching because in spring training games, your starting pitchers aren't always going deep in ball games. And so the fact that they had the least amount of runs allowed in the Cactus League and the sixth least amount of runs allowed in all of spring training, I think is a reflection on this Potters bullpen and how good it's going to be in 2020. And that's definitely credit to AJ Preller. He's done a good job of building this bullpen. Hopefully he's put enough pieces around it in the starting rotation and in the lineup to be able to give them that lead. And then they can just close the door, which has been the strength of the Padres forever. Absolutely. Emilio Pagan, you know, I never heard of him before they got him. And then when I saw his numbers and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I watched that game with the uh, in the playoffs last year. Holy cow. Absolutely got him for a song in trading Manuel Margot. And then, you know, the Munoz and having we're just doing fantastic. You know, we can still even Castillo didn't even get a shot. And he hadn't started to pitch yet, but he was going to be another piece of this bullpen. You know, and the question is, is Lucchese going to be a part of that bullpen, or is it going to be Cal Quantrill? It, and some of the guys that they had, the non-roster invitees, Stephen, uh, Stephen Wilson, who I thought had a really good showing this spring and was my candidate to be kind of like the shuttle guy in the bullpen this year. And he ended up, he, he ended up in El Paso last year, but he pitched most of the season in Lake Elsinore last year and just had a really good spring. And as you mentioned, uh, between Lucchese and Quantrill, um, one of those, those two will get the fifth spot likely. Who do you guys think it'll be? Quantrill pitched amazing in spring training and Lucchese kind of dropped off during spring. Who do you guys think will get that fifth spot? I still think it's Lucchese just because he pitches left-handed or he's a left-handed pitcher and the projected starting pitching staff, the top four, are all right-handed pitchers, so I think Lucchese slots in at that number five. He also has two years under under his belt compared to Cal Quantrill's only half a year, but I definitely think Quantrill's the pitcher of the future. I think he definitely is a better pitcher than Lucchese, but I think that Lucchese's experience and the fact that he's a left-handed pitcher favors him in getting that fifth spot. You know, and I agree, after having uh, Munoz go down and Lawson go down, and Cal was in the bullpen last year, and he did. He had a really good spring, you know, kind of in the starter's role. But I could see him starting in the bullpen, and in the first, you know, the first uh, sign of any injury in that rotation, Cal slides right in, and then we see what goes on from there. But I was going to pick, you know, Cal to take that fifth spot until, the, you know, until Munoz went down. But it's just he, he's been there before. He's comfortable with being in the bullpen He's shown that he can start when we need him to, so he could be that long relief slash six starter if we need him and just let Lucchese get that fifth spot. Absolutely. And our starting pitching for most of spring training, all the ma- the guys who are locks or are uh, working for spots, Lamette, Davies, Quantrill, they all pitched great in spring training. Lamette didn't allow any runs in five innings, and Davies only allowed one in eight innings, and Davies, he's looking to be our number three, four starter this year. Interchangeable with Garrett Richards, but Davies really impressed me a lot this spring. Yeah, I like those. You know, it's funny. I like those slow-throwing guys that can just mix it up. Throw the kitchen sink at you. And if they can locate that fastball, 
and just throw everyone off. They get what a two seamer and then the change up and the slider. Just, you know, keep them off balance. And you bring in a bullpen that's still in the mid nineties. They, you know, it takes it and that bat to adjust to that. So I wasn't a very big, uh, Eric Lauer fan only when he pitched against the Dodgers. And even then, uh, that last outing, I think he got lit up pretty bad. So I was okay to kind of see him go and. You know, Zach Davies, we were, for me, I was kind of hoping we would go with a, maybe a bigger name, veteran, maybe starting pitcher, but that just didn't, the market didn't kind of evolve for us to do that. And having Zach Davies slide in there, you know, and be the third or fourth starter is, is just fine with me. You mentioned that trade with Milwaukee. That trade is a huge wild card for the Padres because Zach Davies certainly looked good in spring, but Eric Lauer, he kind of took a little bit of a step forward last year, just really got shelled against Colorado. And then you also bring in Trent Grisham and you send Luis Urias, who finished the season really strong, especially when it came to getting on base. That trade is a huge wild card for the Padres here. And Donovan, you also mentioned Cal Quantrill being in the bullpen. People forgot how good he was coming out of the bullpen. In 11.1 innings, he only allowed one earned run, six hits, and only walked four guys and tallied 11 strikeouts. So that's that's solid bullpen production. So it clearly doesn't phase him. you know, you got to be looking ahead if you're a Potters fan. You can't not think about the Potters in the playoffs eventually. And Cal, he doesn't seem like he's going to be that top of the rotation guy. You can't carry five starting pitchers. He's definitely a guy the Potters can say, hey, man, we're going to need you to give us solid innings out of the bullpen. And he's going to be able to do that perfectly unless of these 11 innings, which is a decent sample size, are just lying to us. Yeah. Did Drew Pomerantz not do so well? I, I, I don't remember how well he did this spring. He had 8Ks and four innings, 4.2 innings and only one run. So he was looking pretty solid. Yeah. In, in, in a small sample size, but we forgot about Drew Pomerantz as well. And, you know, here's the thing about the, about the rotation is I, everyone's waiting for Mackenzie Gore to come up. And, and believe me, I'm just, I can't wait for that kid to come up. But I'm not so sure if if someone does go down early in the rotation, even with the shortened season that I'm, we'll be talking about here in a minute, yeah, um, that he comes up right away. Now, with the shortened season, my question to you guys, and I'm totally throwing you out there, um, do you see Mackenzie Gore coming up after the you know, maybe the first or second injury into the rotation? Well, a lot of people were thinking, thinking that he could be a midseason call-up right now, as we all know that the season is shortened for now. And a lot of people thought he'd come up in maybe June, July. I think it, it's less likely, in my opinion, that he comes up unless if there are injuries, forbid or hopefully not. But I don't think he'll come up unless it could be a late September call up. I don't see him coming up mid-season though. I would, for, I would love to see him c- come up mid-season, but I right now do not think it'll happen. Yeah, this whole shortened season things we're kind of throwing everything in a whack. What I think it does good for is Javi Guerra. Javi Guerra, the converted shortstop, just, oh my God, just really pinned himself. He pitched like his, his jaw was on the line, basically. Uh, if he didn't do well, they were going to have to release him or leave him on the, you know, leave him on the 40 man. And I think he pitched well enough to have a spot in the bullpen. Yeah. And Javi Guerra is really interesting because as a prospect, I'm like, man, this dude can't hit. Like, why is he so highly rated? And then we transitioned him to a pitcher, and I got on the bandwagon right away. And I'm like, yo, this is a great move. I'm all on board. And then he came up to the majors in September, and Bobby and I were both there for his debut. We mentioned this on our last podcast. Okay. And he was not good. And I got right off the bandwagon. I'm like, oh, man, this isn't a good idea. 
But now after watching him in spring training, I'm back on board. I This dude, he's got electric stuff, that great high spin right fastball, along with a devastating slider. Yeah, it, yeah. It looks like it could pan out well. Everyone's back on the Garrett train, man. I'm tr- <laughs> you know, we haven't even talked about Pierce Johnson. Like, it would, it's just a bullpen. It's just, it's just going to be sick. And the odd guys being out, Adrian Morhone and I think Michelle Baez probably will. They might send those guys back down to stretch them out to be starters. You know, and that's what Preller was talking about. But once again, with this shortened season, it's just everything is kind of thrown into the, thrown into the wind. Mm-hmm. I agree. Michelle Baez pitched very well in spring training. And I think it'll be, I think between Baez and with Munoz gone now, I think it'll be between Javi Guerra and Michelle Baez for the last bullpen spots, who between them could get that last spot. It'll probably just be one instead of two of them. But I think Pierce Johnson will for sure have a spot in that bullpen. Who do you think between, if both are going for bullpen spots right now, who do you guys think will, could make it between Guerra or Baez? I'm going to take Guerra just because, like Donovan mentioned, if he's not on the opening day roster, the Potters have to waive him. So I think that you got to give him a chance to prove himself. You already know that Baez can. And if Guerra, you know, pitches like how he did in September, you can say, all right, man, hey, we give you another shot. This just isn't going to work out. Hopefully you pass waivers, and then we can option you back down. But I would give Guerra a first shot, and then if he fails, you can bring Baez back up. Yeah, absolutely. And there's talk, and there's been talk of if we have a shortened season, I mean, pitchers are going to need time to ramp up, and there's been talk of maybe lengthening the roster for this season. I know we have the added guy in 26, but they might need to add another two guys at least to add that pitching depth for all the teams because most of these pitchers aren't going to have or even had the time to stretch out and be ready for a full season, even if it is shortened. So, there could be that talk as well with, with it going from 26 to 28. Yeah, knows, I think it's, no, it's weird. No, you're, that's fine. I think that there's a real possibility that they even extend the rosters even more. And, yeah. you know, if they're going to try and extend the season as long as possible, depending on how far it gets delayed, and we'll get more into this discussion in a little bit, I think they could expand the roster more and just say, all right, no off days. You're playing for 100 days straight. Go for it. I think that's a possibility. It's not, it's absolutely not ideal, but at this point, anything goes. Yeah, that's a hot take. Let's see you try to get that to the union. <laughs> yeah, no, it won't, but. <laughs> but, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. That's, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Um, it's, it's got, it's sad, it's interesting, and it's exciting all at the same time. Whatever's gonna happen, you know, fans are just gonna either, everyone's gonna hate it. Everyone's gonna go, oh, this is stupid. In, in a, in a year where it's uncharted territory, absolutely. Bobby, we'll, we'll let you give your ideas on what they'll do for the season in a little bit, but let's talk about some of the hitters in camp. We already mentioned Will Myers, but what's another hitter that you guys think did a good job in earning his case for one, either being on the major league roster, or two, having a starting spot. Donovan, we'll start with you. Oh, well, Grisham has really shown that he has got some excellent value. I, I loved his at bats, that left-handed swing with the funky grip and the speed. He played some really good defense in, in center field from what I saw. He is definitely our center fielder. I think it's his to lose. Obviously, Tommy Pham's going to play left. That fourth outfielder spot, you know, it's in between Josh Naylor and Francie Cordero. Francie Cordero, I've always said, and I said this on our podcast, 
I, I still think he needs some more at bats in AAA just to kind of get some little bit of tightening of of the bat and his approach. It's just my hot take that he probably needs to start in AAA. So I say that fourth outfit in the spot goes to Josh Naylor, and the the twenty sixth spot should go to Cronenworth. You know they were they were having him play shortstop, playing all around the infield, and uh, that extra added arm, the two way player that they wanted to do with with the with the twenty innings um, minimum. I think they were really going to try to do that with him throwing so many bullpens in spring training. Yeah, we never got to see him pitch, but he definitely impressed. Three twenty batting average, Bobby. Who is a bat for you that you think want either a spot on the team or want a job? I, I'm not sure about want a spot. Uh, I would love to see that, but Taylor Trammell really impressed me. He hit 390 in spring and 23 at bats. So he had obviously it's still spring training. It is a small sample sample size, but he had a lot of at bats and he produced during those. And Cordero Naylor, I think. Uh, one, if not both of them, will get an outfield spot. But Tramiel is one guy who really impressed me in spring, and I hope that uh, we'll give him another another look to see how he, he can do and pr- hopefully produce with us. Yeah, Taylor Tramiel, definitely not a guy that people wanted to see because he was in the trade for Framil Reyes, but he's definitely impressed ever since coming over to the Padres, helping win a Texas League title, and certainly performed well. In spring training, my bat that certainly impressed me. He impressed a lot of people. Edward Olivares, he went 7 for 18, 722 slugging percentage. That's insane. That was second on the team for hitters, only behind Jason Vossler, another guy who really impressed. But Edward Olivares, you know, a lot of people didn't like the trade when we ended up trading Solarte for him. Right. But, but he certainly impressed and He's a guy that he's on the 40-man roster. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in Brown, in Petco Park at some point during the 2020 season. We love Edward Olivares over here at Friars in the Farm, man. I, we watched him all season in Amarillo, and every time he seemed to be getting on, driving guys in. Uh, Taylor Trammell, so, so we talked earlier this season with Raul Padron, the double, uh, AA hitting coach for Amarillo. And when Taylor Trammell came over, you know, he just kind of let him, he came over hitting like 239, I think, was really just struggling. And after a couple of weeks in the system was when Raul really started working with Taylor, using his bottom half. And that's when you saw the turnaround. So when he came over to this system, it's funny how guys, when they change systems, other coaches see differences that, you know, these adjustments that they need to make. And then they make them and they, Come, you know, usually it happens to us Padre fans, right? We trade some guy who stinks, and he ends up coming back and killing us. But mm-hmm. they, they made some adjustments with Taylor's swing, primarily getting more of his bottom half in, involved. And it took off that last couple of weeks of the season into the playoffs. He just tore it up. And then carrying that into spring, it was so good to see him not just hit, you know, guys late in the game, but he was hitting major league pitching and doing it well. Taylor Trammell, like you mentioned, he hit – he has 781 OPS in A ball for in 2017 and 2018. But then last year, his totals when he was both in Chattanooga as a red and then back in Amarillo as a Padre were both under 700. So he definitely wasn't as good, but he definitely improved towards the end of the season. He went on that upward trend 
coming into yeah. spring training, and he certainly yeah. carried it over. He was doing a lot of hard work. You know, we got to ask him some questions at Padres Social Summit at FanFest yeah. this year. That was awesome experience for me. And these guys definitely are coming off as advertised. They've been highly pronounced like, hey, these guys are going to be good, and they're living up to the hype, and they're showing out in front of Padres fans. The future is definitely bright for this team. Tormel in, in the minor leagues, he, he was a huge uh, threat on the on the base paths. He, he had four in f- four straight seasons, 20-plus steals. He had f- 41 in one season. So I'm super excited to see if he can get a spot with us future, the threat he can be on the on the base paths. Yeah, and so we, we hate to be negative, but at the same time, here at Arizona State University, even though we're not here, the Wildcats do exist, and, you know, they, they suck. But sometimes you have to talk about some players that ended up struggling for the Padres. And there were definitely a couple of players who struggled in spring training for the Padres. Who's a guy that stood out to you, and what do you think he needs to work on or what he needed to do to perform better? Well, for me, uh, you know, I, I really focus on the minor league guys. This uh, this Owen Miller didn't really have a good spring. He, he didn't hit that well. He just it, it kind of started last year in the fall league where he didn't hit that well. He might have been playing a little too long. He played the full season in, in Amarillo. And then went straight to the fall league and kind of struggled there. And he kind of brought that into spring training. I'm a big Owen Miller fan. I, I think he's going to be a solid, he's going to be a solid backup guy. One of those guys you can kind of plug in a lineup somewhere and he's going to hit. Just he didn't have bring that out. We were open. Francisco Mejia was just starting to get bad. I don't think he was having a great of a spring as well either. He, Francisco Mejia did not have a hit. And, 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 you know, you, you know, that's in between him and Hedges, and Mejia really has to hit. And there was some defensive deficiencies. I also saw a couple pass balls in spring with him. And it's spring training, and, and we're all, he's still trying to learn the pitchers. And sure, during spring, those guys need to learn every pitcher. So there's not just the major league guys, but they're working with the minor league guys as well and all the uh, non-rusher invitees. So I know that their focus is more on, you know, getting together with the pitching. But, you know, the bat wasn't there, and, you know, I saw him swing a lot of those back foot sliders and that he's so well for uh, for swinging at. Yeah, I mean, he is definitely a free swinger. He's got to hit if he wants to be playing for the Padres, like you mentioned, because yeah. Austin Hedges will always be good defensively. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how he's hitting. He's going to get playing time. But if Mejia's not hitting, he's not playing. That's the end you know, of the story. You know, what, what, are the, what are the things? Uh, Bobby, do you want to say something? Um, yeah, so I was going to uh, include what I think about the catching battle. I think Mejia, we have him, as I said in one of the last uh, podcasts, we have Mejia so he can hit. Because we know Hedges, he's not improving at all as a hitter. We have him for his defense, and he is a great defensive catcher, one of the best. And Mejia this spring, was he was horrid. He was awful. He couldn't even get a hit, as we t- spoke about 0 for 15. And that's why we have him. He's a switch hitting catcher. And I just want him to produce somehow this season. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I only count the good stats in spring training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I want. Can you you know, talk about the second base for a minute? Oh, sure. Yeah. I found it just uh, out of nowhere having them bring in Brian Dozier. It was a big curveball into the mix for sure. And I've always been a fan of Garcia. You know, the guy that comes from St. Louis, a team that always wins. He's a local guy, and. He never tried to do too much last year. He was a simple guy. He always gave you good at-bats, played good in the field, and he just got on base. And he did that in spring training again. 364 batting average this year, 1.031 
OPS. I mean, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And for a guy that hits better against righties, he should see the majority of the playing time. And then you got two other guys. You got Brian Dozier and Jerickson Profar, two guys who definitely hit left-handed pitchers better. I don't know. It's, Second base is a huge question mark for me. Yeah, I love Garcia, though. Uh, as you said, the San Diego guy, the Valhalla alum. Um, and I, he, he, was, he was pretty solid last year. And we traded for Profar for a reason so that we could, so that he could have a spot on the team. And I hope that he will make the roster and produce offensively this year and defensively because he does not have the best glove. And I think, I don't think Dozier gets a spot on the roster. I think. It's be, it's Profar and Garcia. I think it, Garcia will be a good utility guy off the bench. Uh, and as we talked about earlier, Cronenworth, I'm not sure about him. He, he's a good two-way player, but we didn't really see him pitch that much. But yeah, I think it'll, it'll be Profar and Garcia. Ooh, hot take. Here's the thing, and I'm sure you guys are going to agree with this, the depth. Like last year, we're like, okay, who wants to play second base? You know, okay. Does somebody want to play third? Like this year, it's like, we have some, you know, parallel of those guys. They have some tough, tough choices to make. And we haven't even talked about Ty France. I mean, the San Diego State alum, like he should be on the roster as well. But, you know, Cornerworth certainly could start the year in AAA. And if he has to come up later on with, you know, someone going down, like that's not a bad backup guy, you know, to come up. Oh, it's, it's just, great. It, it's a, you know, and, and going back to the catching, Luis Torrens had a great spring and he's really put himself on the map. Yeah, Luis Torrens, I figured he would just start the year in AAA, played the majority of the time in AA last year with Austin Allen in AAA, but now that Allen's gone, he fills up that AAA catching spot. But who knows? He could end up making maybe the Major League roster. We'll see how these guys take this time off, which is really odd for them. It's going to be interesting to see how everyone follows suit and takes this time off. Some people are going to approach it differently, but... For Luis Torrens, he's definitely got an opportunity if he gets stronger, you know, gets faster. He can definitely, because they're going to have to build up some time, get some games in a little before the season starts. And if he plays ball there, shoot, I'll see him in Brown and Petco Park. I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so with that, let's talk about what we think about this upcoming season, because as we all know, the coronavirus has struck America and the world by storm. And, you know, it's it's delayed the season already. We know that for sure. But when do you guys think the season could resume at the earliest? Uh, it, it's tough. No one really knows. It's all a guess right now. I think that it'll be around Memorial Day. I think end of May is when it pr- probably will start. And I hopefully earlier, but I think it's most likely uh, it'll be sometime in May, mid-May or end of May. God, you know, it, it's, it's April. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it got into June because these guys, you know, it really depends on if they're going to lighten the restrictions with the people getting together because they're going to need at least two, at least two weeks of accelerated training, some kind of, you know, some kind of crazy spring training to get up to, up to speed. And, uh, it, you know, if it starts in June, that's, Two and a half months, maybe three months of, of, of baseball, and then you're going into playoffs. Are they going to change the playoff? Is it going to be an abbreviated playoffs? Are they going to, you know, change that format? How that's going to go? Because it's just it, it, it's it's uncharted territory. So I wouldn't be surprised if it does go into uh, in, in the beginning of June. That'll be my hot take. Yeah, I I actually could see it 
coming in later than you guys think. So I, I've got my calendar pulled out. And I'm looking at dates here. I think that everyone reports to their spring training facilities June 1st, and then they practice all the way through June. And they say, no fans, nobody coming to these games, nobody coming to these practices, and they have a game, then an off day, a game, and then an off day. And then you just practice like that, get in a little bit of a routine. It's not like the month and a half uh, spring training you have, but this is time to get the players back in the in the flow of things. And then right. you start the season July 2nd. It's a Thursday. You can start with a four-game series on the 4th of July weekend, and you can, A, have fans if things start to get a little better, or B, you can say, hey, no fans. Just have barbecues and watch the games. That would be a cool way to start the season. But I think by August and September, I think we're really going to start more games, a lot less off days, possibly none. I already mentioned that this podcast. I could see them saying no off days, expanding the rosters to maybe 30. It's already at 26. It's not out of the realm of possibility and saying no off days. Go out there and play. We're giving you more players. We're giving players the opportunity to make their major league debut. If you're a young prospect, you got to say, hey, I'm all for it. If this is my best chance to make the majors, shoot, I'm in. And I can see a 30-man roster. Speaking of young prospects, uh, I don't know if you guys heard the MLB draft might be canceled. I don't know if it's postponed or just canceled. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Like, What would happen to the players who would be in that draft? What happens to them and their futures and what happens there? Wow, that's a, you know, I work for a university. You guys are at a university. Um, it's a very good question. They have to have a draft. Maybe they don't go so deep. Uh, maybe they don't have 30 rounds. Maybe they do, but they're going to, they're going to have to have the draft. I, I think they're going to have to do it. It might be like everything this season has been on the cuff, abbreviated, but they're going to have to have the draft. And that's a really good question. I'm going to be asking some people on my podcast. I'm like, what do you guys see this happening? Do do you see, you know, because you have those guys in the draft that you know, they're un, they go under the radar and they they pop up and then they, you know, they're first day guys, they're second day guys that that they weren't really on anyone's radar until the season started, and then you have the guys that were on the radar that you know that kind of lowered their stock with performance. It's just going to have to be an incredibly educated guess on that, but I do think they have the the draft. It just might be might be cut short just like the season yeah and i think the ball's really more in the ncaa's hand when it comes to this they said that they plan to give spring eligibility back to everyone but there's so many financial restrictions for that that it may end up falling through in the ncaa we all know how they feel about their money so i don't think they'll end up wanting to do that if they do end up giving spring players their eligibility back there's going to be less players entering the draft because seniors are going to want to say hey i want to come back and finish up my career i want to have a real finish there's going to be less players entering the draft so i think if that happens i think that the mlb could a either cancel the draft or just have it be 10 rounds because this would be a dream scenario if you're an asu student because if you're like me I was too busy. I never got out to an Arizona State baseball game this year. And we had one of the best teams in ASU history. Spencer Togelson should be the first overall draft pick. And I messed up. I thought I had like three months to go to a game. I, th- I had two months left in my school year to go to a game. I'm like, oh, I'll make a game. So I think that that would be cool, but I think that that's not an ideal situation. I think they need to have the draft. I think that's bogus. Um, and what do you guys think? Oh. 
Jonathan, do you think that there will be fans later on in the season at games whenever it may come back? I, I think they will have fans. They, they will start the season with fans. Um, the owners are going to – obviously, they're going to go with whatever the CDC does and whatever uh, each individual states do. But I think they're going to have to have fans because the, the owners are, are losing money hand and fist. What, they're losing a million, million and a half every game. Um, they're going to need fans there. I think it's going to be a real – you know, just like 9-11 – when we started playing baseball again, it's going to be a boost of morale, a big sigh of relief when professional sports start back up with fans in the stands. I like the 4th of July idea. The whole America is back. You know, our, our nation's pastime is back on, on America's birthday. That's a fantastic take. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I, I hope they have more fans because, you know, it, it's, I'll take it, but, you know, I want to go see these guys play. Yeah, and I mean, as a student who's going to be traveling away for school in mid-August, if the season doesn't come around, I could not see some games at Petco Park. So I really want to be able to get out there. I have, I have less games to attend, but, but fortunately the Padres do come to Phoenix a couple times. So we, we do get to see our Padres, but Chase Field's atmosphere compares nothing like Petco's, but as part of the league. Yes, Petco Park's the best. It seems like the 162-game season is out of the realm. Bobby, you said late May. Donovan, you said June. I said July. So no chance the the MLB gets 162 games in. How many games can we reasonably expect in this upcoming season? Obviously depends on where it starts and what they decide to do. If they're going to take the first half of the season and put it at the end or as Dom said, just have a hundred straight days playing games. So it really, it depends on when they start. If I, if I, like I said, in late May, then that could be about 120 games, 130, if my math is correct. Um, but I think it'll be around that. Donovan, what do you think? Yeah, they could throw in some, uh, you know, maybe a double header once or twice a week. Kind of maybe, you know, with those expanded rosters, you'll have the pitching to do that. Uh, try to recoup some of, uh, some of the losses. Um, I, I I like what it's going to do for the Padres' chances to maybe actually make the playoffs. I know we were going to talk about that in a minute, but, you know, 120 games with a couple doubleheaders a week, then maybe an off day, or maybe a doubleheader, then an off day. Um, that's something that can be done. You know, it really has to do with, with the, the players' union and what um, what they really are going to be okay with. Because I think the owners are going to be like, let's play as many as we can. I need to recoup my losses. And we need to do that now. Yeah, and I, I think anything north of 100 games is a victory. If you're the MLB, you know, the more the merrier. But it's come to a desperate time. And, I've, I mean, anything we can get as baseball fans, we'll take it. It's come to that point. So I think anything north of 100 is a good number. And so, Donovan, you already you already previewed where we're going to go tonight. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. No, hey, no worries. That You're just you're keeping the listeners on the edge of their seat. <laughs> so, yeah, we we applaud you for that. But how do you think this shortened season will benefit or not help the Padres? I think it does. I think it benefits because I certainly think that pitching, what we saw in spring, is definitely a a sign of things to come. And even with an expanded rosters and a little bit thinning out of the talent, we have so much talent in this system that – Anyone that we have extra in the bullpen 
in the rotation that we're going to make up with, with talent. And I think I, that can do a long way where, say, the bats go silent, but we win games. We win more two-to-one games. You know, um, I really think we can do well. Now, as a Padre fan, I'll take anything I can get. It, it's a good question on if people are going to go, was that a legitimate playoff season? I think it gets better with less games we play. But that's how I feel about it. I think it's going to do uh, do the Padres a favor. Bobby, what about you? Um, honestly, I think I disagree. I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of 50-50 on it, but I, I would disagree because I think, I know we did lose our last five games and it is just spring training, but we started off hot. We were 11 and two before losing the last five, but it gave me some hope. We all know it's spring training. Doesn't mean that much all the time, but we had a good win streak going and it really got me excited for the season. And I think for the players that did have momentum, that it'll, that it'll hinder their, their momentum coming in, into whenever the season may start. And injuries, there aren't that many. Obviously, we just lost Munoz, but Munoz would be at the whole year anyway. We don't have many other injured guys that are. Sorry, that was me watching Fernando Tatis on TikTok. <laughs> oh, hey, I mean, I saw the, uh, the first Padres TikTok and it was just Fernando Tatis Jr. And it, it was honestly beautiful. From being in the dorms with Bobby, I know Bobby likes TikTok. I'm I'm not the biggest fan. I think it's a little cringy, and I think that it's it's a waste of my time. I'd rather be doing journalism stuff, watching actual sports. <laughs> That's just me, obviously. You know, it, yeah. uh, if someone sends me a TikTok and I'm entertained, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. But TikTok's definitely interesting, and I'm glad the Padres are getting on board. Hopefully, they can provide us some entertainment in this time off. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of off time uh, just because of my job, and uh, I, I'm on social media a lot. I tell you, I've never watched, I've never had so much fun watching Fernando Tatis just live his life, just watching him from early in the end of the season with him, you know, riding the four wheeler around or riding the jet skis around. Just like it seemed like every day he was throwing stuff on Instagram, with just like God, God, his just a storybook life. But obviously. You know, when he is riding around in an ATV or on a jet ski, I'm like, but, but, sit, no, sit, sit down. No, don't do that. Don't, don't get hurt. You know? Stop it, Fernando. Stop. <laughs> God, I, you know, it's, it's great joy and anxiety at the same time. Um, but just, we're, we're just, I, you know, you guys, just to get back to the team, it's so nice to have so much talent and have someone like Fernando Tetis come up to this system. And not only have the talent, but the personality. And, and with the other personalities, I know we lost Franimal, but, you know, with, with Machado and, and the energy that those two guys bring into the clubhouse, I really think it brings it, it brings a light, a lightness, a, a good time. It keeps everyone loose. I like that they brought Tommy Pham in. I'm a little concerned uh, with how serious he is, which is fine. We'll mix with such a light kind of clubhouse that we've had. But I think it'll be, you know, it, it should be fine. But that was one of my concerns with uh, bringing him into a, uh, our, our party, if you want to say it that way. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, well, I I think when it comes to this evaluating how the Padres will be affected by this time off in the shorter season, I think the roster and the talent, it benefits it because, you know, like you guys have said, the bullpen, it favors having less games. You can rely on them a little more. but. There's so many new faces in this Potters organization, including the coaching staff. Almost none of the coaches were on the coaching staff last year. You know, Balsley, who has 
less of a role on the actual field and in the clubhouse, and then Skip Schumacher and Glenn Hoffman. But that's really it. So I feel like some of the new faces don't really benefit that the clubhouse experience in this time off. Now, if you're talking about, you know, games starting, which would come up this next Thursday, it would be fine with it. But now that we have this extended time off, I just, it's a question mark. I'm not saying it's going to be a bad thing, but I'm also not saying it's going to be a good thing. It's just something that we're going to have to wait and see. So I think this time off is not really going to affect us either way. I still see us being right over 500, which I mean, I'll take because, you know, for Bobby and I, we're both sports journalism majors at Arizona State, and living in the dorms, there's about 100 other sports journalism people. And hearing some of them complain about their franchises was the most antagonizing thing ever. Because I'm like, <laughs> shut up! As a San Diego sports fan, I had Aztecs football, which we have on Potter's Twitter, the most stupid debates about them. We have Aztecs basketball, which is always good. You know, no complaints from them. Absolutely. We have we had Chargers football. They now left us, so that's obviously demoralizing. You have a couple of minor league teams, which are cool, but you know that they're not like you know, oh, we lost or yeah, we won. They're like you know, okay, I'll go, I'll go watch the game. And then we have the Padres, who haven't made the playoffs since 2006, which is the second longest streak in the MLB, and haven't had a winning season since 2010, longest streak in all of baseball and one of the longest streaks in professional sports. So hearing them complain about their teams, I'm like, yo, do you have any idea what you're talking about? And I'll like yell at them for like a minute. And they're like, Oh, I guess you're right. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so and, and this, was, the, this is coming from, I'm 50. And so I saw, I saw Schilling and Randy Johnson pitch for the Diamondbacks. Like I watched them just crush our Padres Back in the day, uh, we live, our, our condo was right on the other side of the 15 from the Qualcomm. So every day I had to see that big giant cement turd. And I can't wait for this, for San Diego State to, to knock that thing down and build a, a state of the art college facility. And you're right. The local sports stations, they, they don't really talk about the goals. They don't really talk about the seals. Although like one of the local, um, Sports guys, you know, is the Seals kind of hype man during their games. They don't talk about it. It's the Padres or out of town sports. And it's, uh, it's like, don't bring me your problems. We have plenty of them. That's going to wrap up that discussion. And so the last thing we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about this with all of our guests coming up is how are we handling this coronavirus, um, uh, situation? Because our lives are changing like by the day, you know, we're, we're getting put on lockdown, you know, Donovan, you're lucky enough to still have your job. I know a lot of people who got laid off and it's really an unfortunate situation, but how are you handling this whole situation and what are you doing in your free time now that you can't go outside, go to the beach, go watch a movie? What are you doing in your free time and how are you handling all this? Donovan, we'll start with you. Well, you know, I, I'm, I do have a job. So I, uh, we're on spring break next week. I am working two shifts because we are open over spring break. Um, so I do get the day job. We watch a lot of television and my wife, Liddy, uh, is involved in a podcast that covers, um, streaming videos or streaming shows. So we watch a lot of Netflix, a lot of Amazon Prime. What we did this weekend is we did get out. 
but we went deep into the mountains. So a lot of people are going to the local hiking areas here. Uh, we went deep into the mountains uh, today and yesterday where sure there were people out there, but we were very, it was very few and far between that we ran into actually. Uh, and it's easy to step aside those people when you're on the trail, trying not to eat crap all day. Cause when, you know, if for mm-hmm. me, if I'm not working, I'm eating food. And so that anxiety, that, you know, little bit of underlying anxiety, I kind of make use food to kind of make that go away. So I have been eating poorly and, uh, exercising less and just kind of, you know, at work, constantly washing my hands. We have hand sanitizer every five minutes. I'm, you know, making, you know, we're making sure only 10 people are in the place. We're constantly washing our hands, constantly sanitizing. We're trying to follow. We're trying to keep people safe by being safe. And and that's the big thing is is just trying to do what the professionals and the scientists and the CDC are telling us to do. Yeah, and hold on. One quick question before we move on to Bobby. You mentioned food. Favorite Petco Park food? Oh, God, we uh, <laughs> we get the bratwurst. We're we're very okay. uh we're very traditional when it comes to, I know we have, they have the uh, card of crack there and it's really not the same when it's not coming from Seaside Market up in Encinitas, mm-hmm. but we get a big giant bratwurst or, um, or a hot dog and we'll go down before the game starts and eat that and we won't leave until the game is over. Yeah. All right. Bobby, before I ask you the same questions, your favorite Petco Park food, get a little off topic here, but who cares? I wouldn't really say food, but I go to the Bake Bear almost every time I'm there. On Tuesdays, I do love my uh, my Taco Tuesdays, uh, but I do love the Bake Bear. For me, my favorite Petco Park food has to be Hodad's. You can't go wrong. Those oh, fries, yeah. those fries are absolutely amazing. All right, back to uh, back to getting on schedule, Bobby. How have you been handling this time off, and what are you doing in your free time now that you can't really? go outside and go to the beach uh well in my free time uh, i do live a few minutes from the beach so i haven't been going as much uh, i did go golfing today i plan on doing that a little bit uh, in the next week or two but i've just mostly been at home for the whole day and i have about 30 games on cue that i'm gonna watch mlb nba nfl college basketball i've i have renfro cinco de mayo uh walk-off slam that uh, is first on my queue and i've been watching march madness highlights games and just replays of games and that's pretty much how i've been spending my last 72 hours yeah i mean this has been really impressive for me it's been a lot of mlb the show 20 just came out this past this past week i've loved the game so far you know i've been acquiring some couple of padre players you know playing with those guys Tommy Pham's on my team. He's been killing it for me. And then another thing I've been doing is just like going back through all my podcasts and my, my calls that I've recorded throughout the semester and I've been editing them. And I don't know if you guys have seen on our Twitter today, but I posted a graphic along with audio today. That's something that I'm really looking forward to getting into. And you'll definitely see a couple of those from this episode. I saw that. That was great. And thank you for doing mine, Dom. And they both looked very good. Dude, so have you, real quick, on the MLB show, have you put any of the minor leaguers on there? You know you got Mackenzie Gore, you got Luis Patino. You could throw Taylor Chamba on that squad. Well, for me, the the game mode that I play is Diamond Dynasty, and it's basically like an ultimate team. And okay. it, it's, it's only major leaguers. However, 
This year they introduced prospect cards right off the bat. Normally they come at the end of the season when they need content. There's two Potters prospects right now. They have a gold Adrian Morejon, which according to my brother isn't very good. He only throws 96, which is robbery. He throws like 98, 99. Right. And then the other one, of course, is Mackenzie Gore. He is a 90 overall. You need to collect a lot of prospects in order to get him. So I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to use that card, but I'll definitely get the Morejon at some point. But I probably will move to playing with the Potters prospects in a little bit because, you know, uh, that's what I'm doing in my free time now that I, when I'm not doing homework or taking my classes. Yeah, same with me. I've also been playing a lot of NCAA 14, uh, best best game of all time, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Donovan, any parting notes before we wrap this podcast? Let be safe. Um, support. Uh, you know, there's um, you know, we're not the only ones that are affected by this. You know, minor league players are definitely affected by this. If I'm gonna give a shout out to adopt. MILB player on Twitter. It's adopt MILB player on Twitter. Uh, you can find it on my timeline. Uh, he sets up fans that want to sponsor minor league players. And I know the major league teams just kind of gave them, uh, you know, more money than normal, but really it's, um, where fans are set up with players and they sponsor them throughout the full season with gift cards, with, uh, gift boxes. Our podcast has, has, has sponsored a couple of Padre minor league guys. Well, we're sending them a hundred dollars and, and they are so grateful. And it, it's just a drop in the, in the ocean for these guys, but it does really make a difference. So adopt MILB player on Twitter. Uh, give them a follow. Yeah. And, uh, I've noticed that one Emily Walden from the athletic, I think that's her name. Yes. Yeah. She, Emily Walden from the athletic. She does a lot of prospect writing. She's done a lot of good work in publicizing that. And I see this a lot because your partner for the Friars on the Farm podcast, Roy, he retweets a lot of it. You guys are very invested in minor leaguers, and we appreciate your support of them. Bobby, any parting notes for this podcast? Um, just to stay safe, all of you guys, um, and uh, baseball will be back soon. We all miss it. Yeah, and with that, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Devils Talking Padres podcast. We thank you all for tuning in. I don't know when the next podcast will be, maybe next week, maybe in two weeks, but we'll catch you then. Thanks for tuning in.